As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell, he scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future, here comes Luca. This is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast where all four of us are wearing bolo ties right now. We've got our nicest Wranglers on. We've got some Stetsons. You can't see us, but trust us. I would not lie to you. This is not a podcast. Would I go on a podcast and tell lies? We have our Cowboy Sunday Finest on right now, just like Luca would want. And... You know, there's nothing better to podcast in than, you know, just a nice pair of spurs. People have been saying this for years. Cowboys were the first podcasters. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks. We've got a family pod. What we're going to do today, and I apologize if my voice is just a little bit off. I was sick last week. Just going to throw that out there right now. Sounds like you're we're still gonna sick. We're going to do... <laughs> it's the voice no, hasn't come back. Yeah, I was sick yeah. the other day and still sick, but yes. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. You know what? For you guys, I will always podcast. You know? 82 games. 82 podcasts. Rain, sick, hail, or snow. We're going to do a vibe check, and then we're going to talk about re- whether the season feels the same and whether the convos we're having are the same. This is something that comes up a lot. And so I want to, after that, I want to get into things that we actually have learned about the team. We're going to go... For all four of us, then we're going to make all four of us one prediction about what's to come the rest of the season, and then we're going to get out of here. It should be a fun yeah. pod. Vibe Spoiler. check. It's vibe the, check the time. Dallas yeah. Mavericks are going to leave the NBA. They're going to form their own league. Strike out on their own, like all the That's true it. Cowboys do. Yeah. All right. You yeah. guys will be truly Cuban coming to do that. Vibe check. Oh, man. Vibe check. Yeah. This is um, a great place to start, I think. Yeah. Especially well, I, after I didn't that even. I, I said family. I said family pod. Everybody knows our family, but... Dave Dufour, <laughs> Mike Pellucci, Austin Guria, Kent Garrison producing. It's the, Tim it's Cato the, what, hosting. We're all we're all home for the holidays, guys. We're all home for the holidays. Wearing our Western finest. So is Bolos. that the vibe? Mike Pellucci, is that the vibe right now? Is it do, are you are you sensing holiday? Uh I mean the vibe you know what the vibe is? Uh especially after the, the Dirk statue ceremony, which Boys, you know, the statue ceremony was great. The statue went way better than anybody realistically thought it would about 11 and a half months ago. Uh, it, the vibe is, and I'm going to shout out to my wrestling fans here, because if you know, you know, it is a very WWE vibe where the programming is stale and nothing has changed. And you're sitting there saying, why are there no new stars? Why am I watching the same thing every week? And then they bring back your old favorites like Goldberg or Brock Lesnar or Cena. And they're just like, hey, don't worry about the programming now that's bad. You love this guy from 10 years ago. Just get excited about this. That's what happens anytime Dirk is involved. That's Dirk perfect. automatically improves the vibe. And Dave, Dave knows I'm right about this. Dave, it is absolutely – that is that is a perfect description of what it is. It's it's you got to look over here at this guy. You remember? Yeah. Remember him? Remember yep. Dirk? 
Um, luckily, they changed that statue up a little bit. So, you know, it's a nice looking statue. Um, you know, you know how I always statue, open? Go, I say go. I come up with the most outlandish things that we're the only podcast. I will say one thing. We are the only podcast that discussed whether we could say the phrase anal beads, anal beads. on this podcast. I will say, if you're a Mavericks <laughs> podcast, there are some podcasts that will just say it, and they know they can say it. And there's some podcasts that will not say it, and they know they can't say it. I do believe we're the only podcast that has a discussion about whether we can say it. Yeah, And At you know what? Rate. It was uh, said. If, if, if you want to read about the I think the that's statue, the first time I've ever said those words on a podcast, so that also happened here, Tim. But... Mike. You, you, Brian Damaris did a wonderful piece of D Magazine about it. Talked to the designer of the Cosine. statue. Who, uh, and that guy has done some serious stuff in his day. That dude designed the Michael Jordan statue in Chicago, Vince Lombardi statue, Magic and Shaq statues. So they brought in... Heard he's working on the Dave DeForest statue. You know? they're, he's, they're working on it. They're working <laughs> yeah, on it. Yeah. They're trying to get the beard in just the right light. It's tricky. It's hard. It's tricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even, even master craftsmen have their limits. Uh, That's right. But Austin, they brought what's in the, the vibe? best dude to do this. Well, wait, wait let, let me let me. I think I think Dave has here. a vibe, but he wants yeah, he has yeah. a vibe check going on. He's right. He's right. The, you bring out Dirk because the team is stale. Mm-hmm. Nothing's nothing's changed there. They're five and five in their last ten. That's perfect. That <laughs> that's that's just perfect. I checked just now because I was like, I feel like they're like five and five. Perfect. They are five and five in their last ten. They scored 43 points in the first half against the Lakers and then scored 51 in the third quarter. This is the same thing. It's it's the same vibe. Only when things are going well for this team, right? The vibes are great. That third quarter was amazing, man. Those guys couldn't miss. Everybody, you know, everyone looks happy. The ball's moving. And then when they're not good, I mean, the Look at just Mavs fans on Twitter, not to reference Twitter because I don't necessarily love doing that, but you can see where this team, this team is driving their fans insane. I like they you have say the, driving like that hasn't already been done. It's done. Right. It's over. That well, process is continuously. Yes. I mean, drove and, and into the ground. Is, what, what's funny is when you look at the numbers, they have the best half court offense in the league. That's pretty good. It I would doesn't say that's a see, good, but it doesn't feel. That's not how it feels when you watch it, right? It's because they don't get any easy buckets. They don't create any like. There's no transition. They, they, turnover points, you know, second chance points. Like they, they really are not doing those things, and, and that's where the struggles come from. But it, it's just it's so funny that that you live and die with every single shot. Half of them wide open shots, and if they if they're either hitting them or they're not. And I don't. I mean that's. I'm not a fan, so it doesn't affect me the same way, but it's a frustrating watch. Yeah, I, I think uh, the vibe could be described by uh, Josh Bowes one, from Madison Moneyball, his wonderful flow chart that I see now <laughs> every game on Twitter. Just I see the flow chart like t- 10 times a game now. Describe if the it. Mavericks role players, if they hit their threes, they look like a finals contender. If they if, if they, they hit the threes that Luka Doncic creates for them specifically. Creates for them. Yeah. If they hit the threes that Luka Doncic creates for them, they look like a finals contender. If they miss all their threes, they look like they should be a lottery team. And that is just literally every game. I'm not even sure there's another analysis to, to even make about this team at this point. They are the most binary basketball team I think I've ever seen in my entire life. And that means there's just going to be a lot of ups and downs. There's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of ups and downs in the course of a game, and I think this team is also just very, it's just a, completely dependent on whether or not shots fall. And I think that's where that flowchart that you're referencing was something that Josh Bow made in 2020. Yeah, like, it's like early 2020 before the pandemic. Yeah. Maybe it was 2021. This team has felt very similar and stale in some ways. Just for years now, for for months and months and months, and I think that we're all guilty of getting in this this rut or this valley of watching the team. And even though they've changed up, you know, it's like the exterior of the car has changed. It's got a nice new color scheme. Maybe it's got a spoiler on the back. There's definitely new things to look at and learn about. And that are eye catching, but that motor, that motor is the same one that's been in there since 1998. 
it feels like. And it's the same thing powering them no matter what. Like to get to point A and to get to point B, it's the same engine. And it doesn't feel like they're any closer to having an engine that's going to get them to point C. I, yeah, I just and- uh, just looked on uh, basketball reference and set the arbitrary number of 35% three-point shooting for this team. They are 5-8 and eight when they don't hit 35%, right? Like this is, it, this is the story. It's the same thing as last year. Well, this is my – I'm starting to develop this theory that the attachment – so we start Franco wrote about Christian Wood last week, right, which is basically just the – the Mavericks now that he's extension eligible, they have to make a decision what they're doing, right? We talk about this all the time of the show, but what I'm a starting perfect to time this tweet, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, and it was, you know, I knew it would get a reaction because his talk's really good and it's Christian Wood, blah, blah, blah. But what was amazing was just the, there's still a lot of support for Christian Wood. And I wonder how much of the support for Christian Wood is about Christian Wood versus about he's the only guy that is new and does something different and they're not used to watching for three years that people subconsciously have just latched onto him because it's like, Oh my God, I'm not watching the same thing every night when I watch Christian Wood play because everybody else, you know exactly what they're doing. I don't know the answer. This is, I'm just throwing this out there, but I kind of wonder if people are latching onto that. Cause like, Hey, and I get it. Christian He's Wood's like a mystery box. Exactly. Right? He's a little bit of a mystery box. It could be anything, you- even a boat. Well, but you theoretically, you know, the, the archetype pick, pick and pop big. He can put it on the floor. Like the archetype we understand, but that player, I mean, I understand. Look, I I think I'm, I'm on Jason Kidd's side with the Christian Wood thing, because I can also understand like just watching him is frustrating sometimes. So what you're saying, Mike, is that Christian Wood is the new Spencer Dinwiddie. Who's the new Josh Green? Who's the new Josh Richardson? Who's the new DeLon Wright and Seth Curry? And there's always a new flavor to look into. But but I think this might be turbocharged because I think it's easier to see and imagine the possibilities with him. Because some of those names, it's like, yeah, Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson can't physically do the stuff Christian Wood could do. He's so tantalizing. That's why he's had so many employers. That's why... We've all had these conversations about, hey, if you look at his offensive his rebound numbers, just raw, they compare favorably to all-star bigs because Christian Wood could do wild stuff. So I think it's almost like it's not just the latest. It's the end point in that conversation. This is the furthest point of the conversation we could get of this guy who's the mystery box, but also the mystery box has such a wild ceiling and a wild floor as opposed to like Josh Richardson's ceiling and floor were not nearly as wide a range as I think this is. I think that's fair. And we're going to talk more about Christian Wood. Let's talk about things we have definitively learned this season. Wait one second. Did you have something, Dave? No, no, no. We're going to talk about Christian Wood some more, I'm sure. So I'll just yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to get to him. Yeah, yeah. So because we do get stuck in this valley that does not ever seem to end about how the team does feel in a lot of ways the same, I think it's worth noting and mentioning that, yeah, there are things we have learned this season that are worth worth bringing up. Christmas, uh, you know, Jason Kidd is the one who says it most that Christmas by Christmas you learn what sort of team you have, and I think he's right. And I do think that we're starting to learn about what the Mavericks are in a lot of ways. Mike Pellucci, what is one thing you have definitively learned about the Mavericks this season? Josh Green is one of the most five most important players on this roster. And Tim was joking with me earlier when we were making our rundown. And Tim was like, if you don't say three, Austin is going to hijack your arguments. And I don't think we're quite definitively there yet, right? Because Luca is obviously the single most important guy. Dorian is the most versatile defender where you can kind of slap him wherever you need him. Maxi is such a fulcrum on the interior. Dinwiddie is so key because he's the only non-Luca creator. So you could argue all of those guys, you know, at least some of those guys being above Josh. I'd probably argue all of them. But Josh is, and again, this isn't new for those of you listening to the show, Josh is different athletically, both as a defender, both as a guy who could do things off the bounce, both as a dude who could just, you know, throw a dunk down on someone's face. Don't see that often here. And the, I don't, this isn't me saying he is their best defender right now, but he is the one who, as much as we all like Dorian Finney-Smith and as important as he is and as great of a deal as he's on, 
you could see a world. I'm not saying that Josh Green will be a better defensive player than Dorian Finney-Smith, but the ceiling is higher because athletically, this was what I, you know, when I made my whole tweet on draft day three years ago, and I was wrong, you know, because I said he'd be, you know, he was their best option at 19, and clearly it was Des Bain. But my thinking was, this guy is an athlete. If he puts it together defensively, can guard whoever you want to guard in the perimeter. And already, the fact that he's taken this jump from year two to year three, the fact that he didn't play, like, we really need to take a step back. He did not play on last year's team. He was a non-factor for the most part on a team that made the Western Conference Finals. And now he is one of their five most important guys. That says a lot about the team, not just Josh's progression, but Josh made it a conversation because of what he's improved on. And so the pathway towards this roster getting better, there are only so many margins that you can kind of push with these guys. One of them is Jaden Hardy at some point, probably not now, but at some point. But a big one is just Josh Green becoming this team's best defender. And that is in the realm of possibility. And we wouldn't have said that six months ago. So that's that's a win. I think his playmaking ceiling, mm-hmm. it, it, it's so high. I mean, it's higher than Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, you, you see some of the passes that he attempts. Just the fact that he's seeing those things, it means a lot to me. Um, as a tertiary guy, I love him. If he can become a secondary guy, that you, you know, like you can start him and Luca, and it's like, okay, these are our guys that are going to play make. You get Dinwiddie as the, the playmaker coming off the bench because I think that that's a better role for him. Um, man, that's, that's massive for this team. But what percentage chance do you think he could be the secondary guy? That's, that's I, this a big is the ask. thing. So he's their big, their opportunity for internal growth. You know, just uh, the, the, he's the most likely player to be able to take a jump that helps them, right? I don't. I think Dorian Finney-Smith has already done that. Reggie Bullock, he he's gotten over his early season. You know the the thing he does every year where he just can't hit <laughs> a, a single shot to start the year. Um, you know, I, I don't know that. Like, can Christian Wood really grow more? No, he just needs to play more and and play more consistently. Josh Green, if if he can just if something catches on for him, right? Not gonna call it a leap, but if he can take a little hop. That's a huge deal, and he's the only guy on the roster that that I think it's possible for. Jaden Hardy isn't going to get an opportunity, and also the defense is not going to be there with him. With Josh Green, I think the defense is, man, it's not far off. The offense is is really the key, though, because I think the defense is passable. It's uh, more than passable, but if he can become more of a scorer for them, he's got to see the ball go through the basket a few more times per game. That's a that's a difference maker because now you've got a release valve that's athletic, not just big. Yeah, and I think he allows their offense to not be so binary with all this cutting and all his movement and going to the basket. He gener- he's other player that generates open threes and open shots for other guys, even really more than Dinwiddie. And I think his movement is really important. Um, and he, honestly, he's gonna Jason Kidd's right. He's gonna make a lot of money. The, the he's been out for this last stretch of games, and everyone's been like, "Where's Josh Green?" He's very he's very necessary to this team and to the construct of this team. And he's extension eligible after this season. I think he's gonna end up making a lot of money because if you're a two way wing in this league and you have that kind of athleticism and you have playmaking, those guys make a lot of money. He's gonna probably make more money than Dorian, and I, that's not something I would have said as big of a Josh Green supporter as I was before this season. It's not something I would have said before the season started. Dave, what's something you've learned? Well, guys, unfortunately, I think JaVale McGee is not going to work out for this team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't boy. say. I, I learned that this team is still a, a big away from actually being able to do it. Like a, an interior defender away. That's what I've learned. And, and by the way, anybody who's, who's talking about Luca's defense being poor isn't watching these games, number one. Uh, number two, this team doesn't necessarily need a big during the regular season because of the way that they're going to, you know, this, the waxing and waning of the shooting. By the time you get to the playoffs, look, Christian Wood, if he's your starting, you're toast. Who, who, you know, you can't guard the nuggets. You, you know, you can't, you just can't hang in the league anymore without a, a, a real interior defender. Dave, can you actually contextualize that for, uh, contextualize that for us well, christian wood a lot of people are talking and i think correctly that christian wood has looked better defensively and i think what people are saying is that he is getting his rotations right 
this is I, I think if you were to describe his defense and where he really falls short is that he does not have the instincts to react. He is right. starting to be proactive in the yeah. ways that fit the system, in the way that JaVale McGee he, he's has good not in, at any point and will in not scheme. be. Right. He's, he's been better, better in the scheme. In the scheme. And he's picking up some blocks recently, right? But he's not able to be proactive in the scheme and also reactive to danger. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of described that reactive to danger maybe a bit uh, dramatic, but you know, uh, yeah. If there's any bears cutting to the basket, Christian Wood's not your guy. Um, but that's do you think the he thing, can though. fit? Do you think he can fit with the defensive? It's, look, man, here's what's going to happen. If they play the Nuggets, for instance, and I know Jokic is the best player in the world, and uh, this is a heck of an example to use. But what do you what do you expect them to do? They're going to post him up, and it's going to be 1.8 points per possession, and Christian Wood's going to be in foul trouble, and, and you're going to have issues. You need, you need Christian Wood so much on the offensive end that you've got to have a passable big, and I mean maybe better than passable, to, to guard. And, and, you know, I don't think Powell's the guy. Yeah, obviously JaVale's not the guy. Maybe Maxi can be the guy, but his shooting I mean, is going to be a liability. I know, but his shooting's going to be a liability. I still think this team could use a big, like a real, or, or, like if, imagine if they had Robert Williams, which I know, again, that's a very good player on a very good team already. But if they had a dynamic defensive big like that, they could just do so much more in their scheme. I mean, it, I, like, give Jason that's why Kidd all credit. the good teams have a big like that. Exactly. If it's not right. Robert Williams, it's Jaron Jackson Jr. Right. Or it's Brooke Lopez. Or and honestly, Christian it's Wood even, is not um, that guy defensively. Who's no. who's the other? Um, who's the bench Milwaukee big? I mean, Giannis obviously is Brooke Lopez. Is probably. Brooke Lopez. Well, Brooke Lopez is he's, excellent, but is Bobby phenomenal. Bobby Portis. Bobby is more, Portis I mean, even he's yeah, been okay it, this year, but maybe, it's not, maybe he's maybe more I'm, like I'm Christian Wood. A little bit. To be honest with but, you. All the good teams, most of the good teams have a big like that, and Dallas doesn't. Yeah. Plain and simple. So, yeah. Austin, what is one thing you've learned about the Mavericks this season? This team is going to go as far as Tim Hardaway goes. The, the success is going to be directly tied to his, to his success and his shooting specifically. If you look at his game logs, the games where he shoots over 40%, I think they're like 11-2. and two. He shoots below 30, 40%. They're like 5-14. and 14. It's pretty it's honestly pretty drastic for a single player to affect the outcome that greatly that's not a star player but as soon as he started shooting well and started he, he stood, as soon as he started getting into the starting lineup the offense looked better it looks cleaner anytime they have a big run he's usually the catalyst for that big run cuz he, he can get his shot going and he can shoot at volume that's really what kind of differentiates him from the rest of the roster however far they however well he shoots for the rest of the season is how well they will play and if he gets hot in the playoffs, that will determine whether or not they win a playoff series. And it's pretty much like that's that's the guy. It, they don't really have other options, other players who can replace what he does. And they now need what he does. It, it's no longer a bonus for them. They're they're dependent on his shot making. I I think we talked we talked about this. Well, when um, Tim Hardaway Jr. hits at least forty percent of his threes, the Mavericks are eleven and two. Yeah. So Austin is Austin is dead on the money. And the bonus is if. He hits that percentage of threes, and Reggie Bullock scores double digits. I mean, they could beat the '90s Bulls. You know, forget about it. This team ain't losing to anybody. <laughs> That's- and so let me let me talk about my point because I think it's going to segue into this whole combo. My takeaway, the thing that I've learned about the Mavericks, is that they're good. This is a good team. We came into the season believing that Luka Doncic, on a basketball team with a bunch of decent role players, would be a good basketball team. That there was no other way around it. I believe that the Mavericks this season are a good team. There are three games out of second place, and everybody, every Mavericks fan who has watched most of the season, can like there are three games jumping to your head right now that the Mavericks could have won. There are 0.5 games away from Utah and Sacramento. Do we believe in Utah and Sacramento over the entire course of the season? We believe in fun stories. Every season we do, we buy in. The Odds are, just like every season, that a couple teams that are overachieving based off what we expected will fade down the stretch, and the Mavericks will get into the top six. I would be shocked. I'm telling you right now, this is almost a prediction, and we'll get to predictions in a second. I think the Mavericks will be a top six team. I just think that's not the question. I just think that they are not better than last season, and last season was not good enough, and then you start getting into a very tricky, murky conversation about 
if this team runs off Tim Hardaway Jr. and his shooting, you <laughs> can't trade him for this season. And they're on track to be a top six team. I firmly believe that. They're going to be fine. They're going to win 48 games, I think, like we thought they were. They're going to win a lot more games than they're going to lose if they keep this team together the rest of the season. The question is whether they should. And Tim Hardaway Jr., I think, is such a perfect X factor. Not X factor. He's like he's like the the totem. He's the totem of what this season is versus what the future should be. And do you keep him around for the season or do you trade him because the future is more important? Well, all right. I want to hit the first point. Okay. Yeah. That, that this team is good, which I don't necessarily agree with because I don't think Utah is good. I think it's fine. Utah, That's fine. Sacramento. I think they're going to be top six, and but I think they're going to win. Thing. Okay. I I think Dallas, Utah, and Sacramento are kind of in the same little space. If you look at their net rating, uh, the Mavericks are eleventh, Sacramento's twelfth, Utah's thirteenth, and, and point three points separate them. I mean, this is very very similar on the results end of this. Now, ceiling wise, you have Luka Doncic. That is a top five player. In the league, in the world, six play. I mean, who knows? Like, we're splitting hairs. When you get to the level that Luka's at, right? Neither of those other teams have that. So their ceiling is lower to me, right? So, yeah, they should be a top six team. But this goes back to the point I made a couple weeks ago. For what? To get run in the first round? And I don't want to be a guy who's like, oh, you should blow it up. But... You have to just you you got to think bigger picture when you have a Luka Doncic on the roster. And so if it means all right, we're going to cut off our nose this year to spite our face a little bit, right? Trade Tim Hardaway to set yourself up for next year. That is a legitimate decision that this team needs to make cuz they are at a fork in the road where you have a guy who's got some value especially to a team that might be a real contender, which Dallas is not quite there. But on the other hand, this is why this is such a tough decision to make, right? There's so much parity this year. Bunch of guys out. I mean, the Warriors are toast. They're they're I don't think they're going to do this repeat. So, a bunch of teams are like a move or two away. Is Dallas two moves away? Could they pull those off now in a down year for everybody else and actually take a swing at it? That So, I don't know. I I I refuse to give up on Tim Hardaway though. I can't I couldn't do that. And I think that why they won't do it is that they really they want to compete in the playoffs because they have Luka. But like you said, there's so much parity to this league. I legitimately think they could beat any Western Conference team in a playoff series. I don't think they can win three playoff series in a row. And I also think they can, they can lose to any of the Western Conference playoff teams. I think it's yeah. legitimately a toss-up for any single series for any team that they play because their variance is just so if they get if Tim Hardaway gets hot for four games that that's it those those teams don't really have a choice whether or not they win or not and i think they're willing to ride that knowing that they still have to make moves for the future but you don't have to make them in the season i think especially Tim Hardaway since he's under contract he's under a pretty good decent contract if they trade him i think it'll be after the season well and just here's the other aspect of this right we're sitting here going you know when you have Luka you need to do more you need to aim higher you need to do all this stuff well, guess what? If the point of that right now isn't just to win with Luca, but to make sure Luca signs another deal here, that means keeping Luca happy. Do you want to be the person to go to Luca Doncic and be like, you know, the most hyper competitive motherfucker there is? And be like, listen, man, I know we lost Jalen Brunson. I know your team's worse this year. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna trade your other veterans right now. We're helping you win games. Just don't worry about the rest of the year. We're not gonna try, even though it's three games, you know, back from second place. Trust us. Just trust us. You, you think that's going to go over well? Because I don't. I don't think Luka Doncic, as much as we sit back and as much as fans sit back and look at the big picture view, and I'm, this isn't to say Luka doesn't, but when you're in the middle of a season, when you were that competitive, and you know if you're him that, hey, we're three games back for second place. We've lost a bunch of games this year that we shouldn't have lost. You're going to tell them that you're going to just pull the plug at the deadline? It ain't going to go over well. It's not going to happen. And that's why, to me, as much as we sit here and we say, well, what should you do? Should you go for it? Should you not go for it? The answer is going to be right down the middle. They are not going to do anything big, I don't think, until that Knicks pick conveys, and then they'll take their big swing. M- Mike, what you're doing is veering us right into predictions, and we're all going to make a <laughs> prediction about what's happening the rest of the season. What's yours? I mean, it, uh, well, I think Dave wants to go first here. So let's, well, let's let Dave swing for the top. And then well, I'll go. 
because Mike, you just basically set me up perfectly. It is right down the middle. And that's why I think this team isn't going to do shit before the trade deadline. We're going to, this is the team that they're going to have. And part of this is also, they're going to have a lot of competition in the market. Um, You know, the new Orleans Pelicans, for instance, they have potentially the most valuable trade asset. They have the Lakers pick. Um, in the Victor Wimanyama draft, right? Like I, now, I don't know if they're going to move that, but like any piece out there, they can get. If Bradley Beal is available, which Bradley Beal would look pretty good in Dallas, that would be a Tim Hardaway trade worth doing. I don't, I don't think Dallas has the assets to get it. So I expect this is the team that they're going to the playoffs with, and I hope Javale McGee. Could be a good bench guy. Theo Pinson, by the way, don't please don't. I, I don't want to see him play in games that matter. <laughs> don't do that again. That was a real. That was a real football there, Dave. That was that was uh, that's that was coaching frustration. Is what it was. <laughs> he, he did play well in the Houston game. I will give him that. Big vibes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll take Dave's prediction, and I will go one step further. And this is gonna if you're already upset listening to Dave's prediction, you're just gonna absolutely hate mine. Not only will they not do anything at the deadline, i.e., not only will they not trade Christian Wood. They're going to do the thing that you don't want, and they're not going to resign <laughs> Christian Wood either. <laughs> and See, I don't want perfect. this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's going to try what I'm saying. And for the record, don't compare this to Jalen Brunson when that happens. Please don't. Okay? It's not that at all. It's really – they're in a rock at a hard place. They don't trust him. I don't yeah, think nobody, they know. Nobody is, like, courting Christian Wood right now. Exactly. Unlike That's Jalen Brunson. Thing. People wanted Jalen Brunson. People wanted Jalen Brunson, and everybody knew that Jalen Brunson was very valuable here, Right. This team clearly does not fully trust Christian Wood, and ergo, they're not extending him at all. There's no way they are giving that extension offer pre-deadline. I can't see a world in which that happens, right? So you're not extending him. You go to the deadline, and for all the tantalizing mystery box possibility of Christian Wood, there's a reason Christian Wood has played on this many teams. I don't think Christian Wood's trade value is actually that high. I'm sure if they wanted to, they could trade him to take on somebody's deal. You know, say, okay, well, you know, Christian Wood expiring money, pretty decent clip. We'll get somebody back who's on another two or three years, be part of this rotation. But I don't think that guy is a ceiling raiser. And I also think Dallas being who they are, they want to keep the decks clean for whatever big swing they think they're going to make. So I can't see them taking on long-term money unless it's a difference maker for Christian Wood and nobody's going to give that. So then you get to the summer and you have all your picks because that, you know, I'm with Tim. I think there'll be a top six team. The Knicks pick conveys, boom, all your picks are there. You have... Full trade flexibility. You want your cap sheet clean. And if you don't think Christian Wood has value and your head coach is iffy on Christian Wood, and I think at the very least we could say Jason Kidd's iffy on him, maybe maybe more in a negative direction, but we'll say iffy. Are you going to give him four years to keep him? Even if that money as the cap goes up isn't prohibitively expensive, I can't see it. So I think they're going to let him walk. I don't think any they're going to find a deal that they want. People will get upset. I don't think it will actually... Even if it's bad asset management, which it would be, I don't think it really actually alters their ceiling all that much. It's not going to be as bad as people will think it'll be, but I think it's going to happen. I think people will be very, very upset. Does uh, it change your Does it change your prediction if I tell you that free agency is or is completely dead? Like, have you looked at the guys who are going to be free agents next summer? How do you guys feel about Russell Westbrook on a free agent deal? <laughs> well, James Harden. Well, you could say free agency is completely dead. Does Dallas know the free agency is completely dead with how their strategy has been with free agency the last 10 years? I guess that's a good question. I just don't think – I think cap space is just not valuable anymore. And draft capital capital is uh, good, like, young players. This is where Memphis and New Orleans are just sitting pretty. They have a lot of good young talent. You can make an argument that both of those teams have too many guys. Right, they, they, like they need to make a move. Memphis, in particular, may need to make a move. Just they're they're guys it's sitting around with no minutes, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Um, and so this is where Dallas just doesn't have that. No, and there's a you know Tim and I have talked about this, and this is a longer conversation. There, Tim and I have had this talk with on court stuff about like you know you get KP to play drop coverage, but then drop coverage dies, right? And then now they're leading the way everybody did three years ago into shoot threes or bust, except teams are moving away from that. I wonder how much they're a step slow on big picture thinking. And that extends to this. Like, it's free agency dead? Well, do they know it's dead? Because that's all that matters. It could be dead, but if they still think the cap flexibility is important and that's what will buy them the way out of this, then it doesn't matter whether they're right, you know, whether free agency is or isn't. So my prediction is going to be a very, very funny look into the Sazak conversation. 
I want to get to Austin's real quick first. And Austin was the one person who did not send in his prediction. And oh. I'm going to laugh really hard if it's a very bold stance on why and when and what the Mavericks are going to sign Christian, re-sign Christian Wood for. Oh, buddy, I'm zagging here. There, <laughs> Wood is gone by the deadline. They're trading him. He's out of here. It's not going to be a. It's not going to be a home run trade. It's going to be. It's going to be a trade that you honestly couldn't think of. One of those trades where you you look at the trade details and you're like, it feels like a random NBA trade machine generator. Like I think it'll be something like Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks for Christian Wood. That's something a, where, you, yes. where you just get do yeah, it. Where you just get yes. you get two you get two expirings and you get depth. You get big man depth. You get guard depth. And because I think they know they're not going to resign Christian Wood. And if you know you're not going to resign him, there's no reason to at least not build out your roster a little bit because they do lack some depth at the guard position and at the big man. But like Maxi is probably out for the season. There's no guarantee that he's going to come back for the playoffs. And they right now are just running out of bigs. It, like imagine if Christian Wood gets hurt. They they literally have to play with Dwight Powell and JaVale McGee. 25 minutes of JaVale Por- every Porzingis night. Porzingis is a, an expiring. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can I get off my prediction? You guys ready yeah. for this? Okay, so we have been talking. You guys, um, I love when Mike and Dave will get into this just back and forth on the podcast sometimes where I just just take a step back. I roll back my swivelly chair, and I'm like, I'm going to let y'all cook. Y'all are just one-twoing down the wing, Um, you know, just like peak winger uh, fullback interactions. So the reason that free agency is dead is because teams are so risk-adverse to lose their stars for nothing, Correct. That's yeah. why they, they sign these the, the extension. Like everyone gets an extension. Here's my prediction. The Mavericks and Mark Cuban will never trade Luka Doncic. So when we think about Luka Doncic and we think about his future in Dallas, we start thinking about it two seasons from now. Because two f- seasons from now, he will be coming up on the finer, final year of his deal if he opts out of his player option. Which he will. Yes. I was watching Dirk Nowitzki's statue retirement, and it just hit me that two things. Mark Cuban will never trade Luka Doncic. He would not do that. And I don't think Luka Doncic would ever force his way out of town. We've seen James Harden do stuff like that. We've seen Kevin Durant try to do stuff like that. Luka Doncic would never... I don't even think he'd get to a point where he said, I'm not resigning. I think that he has so much love for Dirk and the Mavericks that he might become a free agent and choose to leave because somebody else gives him a better offer, but he will never rule Dallas out. So I think if Luka Doncic leaves the Mavericks, it will be at the end, it will be summer 2026. It might even be summer 2027 where he opts into his player option. I could even see that. like Just based off what I understand, how he thinks about basketball... Obviously, it's a long ways out. The reason this matters is that it does give the Mavericks, if that's how they're choosing to operate, if they're saying that under no circumstances, even if we haven't built a title team around Luka, that we have to think about trading him two seasons from now, if they're not ever going to consider that, and I just have this strong belief that I'm feeling more and more passionate about, that they would never do that, then Uh, I think they at least have a longer window to work with and you can justify not being so pragmatic about the future this season and just say, let's get top six, let's win a playoff series, let's figure it out this summer. Um, and ironically, Dallas, the team that isn't recognizing that free agency isn't the way that teams are built through, might be the team that sparks and recreates free agency as like the number one thing because trust me if Luka Doncic goes to unrestricted free agency you will see a gold rush of teams making sure they have what 80 million dollars in cap space because that's how much the first year of his deal in 2026 or 2027 will be yeah it it will be 80 or 90 million dollars and Real there will Madrid be teams gonna pony up 100 million there will be teams burning cash to make sure but that is that is that is my prediction. That is a big long term prediction. Um, it doesn't come into effect this season, but it is something to think about a little bit as you think about what the Mavericks are doing and how they build over the next three seasons. If that's the way you're looking at it, my follow up prediction to Tim's prediction is: if that reaches fruition, and if Luka Doncic leaves, leaves, 
Mark Cuban will surpass Jerry Jones as the most despised sports owner in town. It will not be close. It will well, be. Will a, he still be the owner, or will he be running for president at that point? He ain't running for president. No, Tim, I think I actually I agree with your prediction, and for all the reasons that you said that you think Luca really just loves being a part of the Mavs and being a part of Dirk. I think another reason why he really won't ever leave or ask out for a trade, the supermax for him is so much money. He's he leaves so much money on the table if he goes somewhere else and he doesn't just sign the supermax with Dallas. He's going to make close to a billion dollars in lifetime earnings if he just signs the supermax and plays until he's thirty six. It's it's so much money that it would almost be irresponsible to go somewhere else and give up that money. You'd have to have a real reason. It, the team would have to really fall apart, I think, for him. Well, to that is want to why he would want to get traded, I guess, right? Because of bird no, rights. But you can't. If you get traded, you still can't get that supermax. Is, yeah. is that how that? Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Y- y'all are right. Y'all are right. So, but I mean, it's the NBA. So you sign that contract and then you ask for a trade the next year. I mean, it's like you could. Yeah. And, and I mean, by the way, PR wise, that's that's is that, for Mark Cuban. That's worse, probably, right? Well, I mean, it might be, but if he if he left for nothing after how jaundiced free agency is for this team, that would I mean, the, it would be a bloodbath. Right? Blood, I can't even talk. It would be a bloodbath around town. It would be awful. And you know, is talking. I talk. I about mean, yes and no. Like, if Luca leaves, it's the end of an era. What is this team? This team is. What are you doing if, if not? If he leaves, it down? you are the guy. <laughs> if he leaves and you were the guy who didn't trade him and you watched the most talented player to ever play for this franchise, maybe the most talented athletes ever play in this city walk for nothing. And you're that guy after people already question Cuban for everything that's happened since the title team, dude, there's no coming back from that. People will never forgive him. Fair or unfair. We, you know, a lot has to happen in the next four or five years. Who knows how it would play out if it goes down that way? Who knows where the blame would fall? But publicly, I don't think people would, if people would put it on him, hundred percent, I absolutely believe that. Totally disrespecting Alex Rodriguez, <laughs> AL MVP well, yeah. Alex Rodriguez played in a- your city. That's well, that's a good point. Now I have to come think about on. That. This man. is this is my sports editor have. I have to think about all the sports. Um, I mean, you know, that's 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 a podcast. I'd love to that do is Dallas. A, I, what's the Dallas sports Mount Rushmore? I don't even care about that. Well, he's not on Mount Rushmore, the, but he might be the most talented dude who's ever played here. I, I still me. don't know. And again, this is we're getting way too in the weeds yeah. about something that is hypothetically maybe or maybe not happening in 2026. I right. do think that there's a difference if a free agency is a player choosing to leave. Trades is the team choosing to trade. I think uh, there's a difference there. Totally. But look, how, look at everything with Brunson. Look at how bad like it's been Luka, with Brunson leaving. But a, and that's Jalen freaking Brunson, not Luka Doncic. I don't think any team that LeBron James has left has gotten has received the flack for LeBron leaving. Even Cleveland, which like when LeBron left Cleveland the first time, Cleveland obviously that is a very unique circumstance. I it's a little silly to compare those, but that was the franchise that most deserved to be cast as the franchise that did not build, did not do enough to keep LeBron James. And really, you could argue that they, they, they did that twice. And neither time have they really been... Because the first time the second did the decision thing that made everybody angry, and the second time you won a title and somebody was cool. I think at this point, so many people love Luka and are frustrated by everything that isn't Luka, that in this crescendo to over what would be what he... So he leaves, let's say he leaves in 26, right? He got drafted in 18 after eight seasons, and they didn't build anything, and they peaked at one Western Conference Finals. You know, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but whatever. I honestly believe most people would be like, you did everything you could. We're furious, but we don't blame you because this isn't your fault. Because they had a whole six, seven years before he got here of watching the end of the Dirk era disintegrate under Cuban's ownership. So I think it would not just be the Luca aspect. It would be the chain reaction of everything post-2011, which would be 15 years from 2011 to 2026 of going, you know what? Nothing is changing. The one constant is the owner. We're going to point the finger of blame at this guy. Again, whether or not that's fair... Because who knows? We're going way down the rabbit hole here. But I really think they would say that's the one constant. We have not seen any sustained success in these 15 years. I don't blame this guy for being like, you know what? I don't want to ride this merry around anymore. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yurman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. 
The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Austin, do you have anything? Do you do you think do you think kind of this idea the, the the one thing to get us back to the grounding? Do you think if you're riding with Luca until he leaves, does that at least give you more say or more ability to say we don't have to maximize the future this year? at the expense of missing top six, that this team's going to be top six. You know, I think you can think long-term that way. And even if you think that Luka's going to stay and you're not going to trade him, but you still have to work with Luka Doncic every day. And that dude is a competitive maniac. So I, I don't think you can do anything that drastically limits your short-term potential. I don't think you could do anything. I don't think you could do something that just like completely hampers your ability to make the playoffs. And I think they know that. I think they've even said that in an article. Um, but if you know that you're going to have Luca for the next four or five years, you can think a little more long term. And I think this year in general is going to be kind of a step back and them already admitting that they need to take a small step back and sit and not make a huge trade until that, that Knicks pick conveys. And that, that'll be their move, but they're not going to do anything more drastic than that. Well, we are, what, like two-fifths of the way through the season coming up on the halfway 40%. point? 40%. 40%. Count That's a better way to say, say it. That. Yeah. Um, well, I'm a fractions guy, Dave Dufour. Mm, it's tough. Mm. Yeah. It's a dying breed of, of us fraction people, but somebody has to hold the mantle into the future. Into 2026 when Luca leaves in free agency. Now, <laughs> and that's okay. You can't Final thing on that. Final thing that, and then we'll wrap up. Luca Doncic might just resign with this team, even if they aren't perfect. Like, like as we talk about his competitive, so as we talk about all the things that ties him, I I think that the one thing about Luca Doncic is that he is such a unique athlete, and what we've come to learn about him that we cannot just view him through the lens of a lot of recent superstar American athletes who have made similar decisions on the free agency market within the NBA. Well, his talk and I talk about this a lot because his talk Slovenian and he has a different perspective on Luca, right? And his whole thing has always been, and this isn't to say that you assume Luca's going to leave or not. He doesn't weigh in that, but he's always been like, look, if you see the whole shape of this guy's life, he's just very comfortable and loyal to what's around him. He's been dating the same girl for a long time. He loves playing on the national team, even though those guys are light years below him in talent. He has the most fun playing for them because he likes playing with them, right? He Who does he hang out with? Hung out with Bobby. Bobby's a great guy, but he doesn't sit there and create superstar hierarchies. He just likes his people and he hangs out with his people. I right. do think he will, when in doubt, I think he'll look for every reason to stay versus leave because 
he just might, you know, I do think he likes living here. I do think he enjoys this organization. I do think he looks up to Dirk and the things he says about how he reveres Dirk are not bullshit. And that's not PR. I think that's real. So it could be a thing where he's just like, hey, give me some reason because I just am comfortable here and I like being here and I don't want to just, I don't want to leave. That's not who I am. And that's, I don't want to blow up my damn life. That's just not what I do with anything. It's possible. Sure. He's not, a, he's not in clout. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, this dude just likes, you know, he, he's very, he's a very straightforward guy. He likes to play yeah. his Fortnite. He likes, yeah. to but he wants to friends. win. This is the he problem, does. right? He, he does. wants to win. And at a certain point, in a in a league that that you actually have control, right? I mean, he, the players do have control here, especially if you're as great as he is. There, it's got a shelf life. This this we're good enough. We we've got a chance that that has a shelf life. And I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who's like, hey, Kevin Durant, hey, you know what I mean? He's not that guy. I think he's got a little bit more of that Michael Jordan. I am going to kill you with my guys. Like speaking to your national team point, right? Me and my guys are going to kill you. I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith is like, I mean, he he got that guy paid, yes. right? Yeah. Very much on yeah. purpose. And I, I think that – so he wants to do it with these guys is what I pick up on. When they're out there playing, when things are going well, you can see the vibes are great. And when they don't go well, I don't see – you know, he certainly gets frustrated, but it's not like you never see him chewing his guys out. It, you, like, mm. it's some bad body language, but it's all mostly still just like positive stuff. But that has a shelf life. You've got to have good players here. So, you know, I, I don't want to say that this guy's never going to leave, but I, I agree with you. He does seem to like it. It fits him. I mean, the cowboy outfit was perfect. <laughs> and look, Iconic. look, at the end of the day. This is why we're having that combo. Not not to, you know, I apologize that for, for my Luca leaving joke. The reason we're jumping to 2026 is because that's the way the Mavericks have to be thinking already this season because ultimately the number one thing is keeping Luca in Dallas and giving him everything possible for him to win because that's what he wants to do and as long as he's doing that in Dallas, he will be here. And there's nothing, nothing else that's important to this franchise more than that. On that note, let's get out of here. David, Mike, Austin, Kent producing. Thank all of you guys. I hope you had a wonderful holiday season. I believe we're going to have an episode later this week. Uh, I know me and Mike are trying to cook something up. We had to postpone after uh, I got a little bit sick. But we're going to have something later this week. And you're going to enjoy it. And hopefully you enjoyed this episode. And until then, we'll see ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca. Big Dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you have? Don't fight the future, it tears me apart. Don't fight the future, please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP. Oh my god!